From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. Online retailers dreaming of a green Christmas. Retailers are gearing up for a very busy holiday season. The holiday season has begun and shoppers are on a spending spree, at least online. Many people choose to skip the stores and just shop online instead. It's the holiday season, and if you're anything like me, this weekend, you're going to be doing some serious shopping online. While shopping in stores still makes up the biggest part of holiday spending, online is really where it's at. In fact, over the Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday, door-busting spending spree madness, more Americans shopped online than in stores. So why is Amazon, which is so dominant online, building brick-and-mortar stores? Well, with me to talk about the company and really the future of retailing is Rick Newman with Yahoo Finance and Tim Lee with Vox. And this week, Amazon unveiled plans for a new grocery store. No lines, no checkouts, no registers. Welcome to Amazon Go. You just go in, you get what you want, you use your app, and you don't really have to interact with anybody. So, uh, Tim, why is Amazon doing this? I think Amazon is doing this because its CEO, Jeff Bezos, is a guy who's really obsessed with making Amazon grow. Um, A lot of companies, you know, they build a successful business and then they generate some profits and they pay those back to shareholders. But Bezos really wants to take the profits from one business and plow them into new businesses. Um, And he's pretty much taken over the online retailing, as you said, and so brick and mortar is kind of the next frontier for them. Rick, does this make any sense to you at all at a time when you see so many stores that are closing and you sort of hear the the death of the mall and the difficulties of grocery stores? Why would you want to create a whole new grocery chain? I think it does make sense, especially if you assume that Jeff Bezos' goal is basically world domination. Uh, You can't dominate the world exclusively online. And if you look at the way Amazon is getting into the physical store space, they're going after densely populated areas. They're cherry-picking the best markets. They are not buying malls in the exurbs. That's the doomed part of retail where there are just too many stores and too much square footage. He is picking out the best places to put stores and expanding Amazon's presence from online into the places people really live and where they want to go. What could that actually mean for its competitors? So if you think about this checkout-less technology where you don't need cashiers, that's not exactly revolutionary. I mean, if you get on the highway these days, you don't really stop at every toll booth anymore and put quarters in the machine. You have an easy pass that automatically sends you through and it registers. So this store concept is like an easy pass embedded in every product. So you walk out the door and it knows what you took. That technology is there. Other retailers, I'm sure they're pursuing similar technology. They're just very slow about it. And Amazon is going to force them to speed up. Tim, what's the benefit to the consumer? Well, the, the most obvious benefit to consumers is the time you save. These are going to be relatively small stores, uh, more like uh, convenience stores and full-scale grocery stores. And, you know, right now, if you go and you buy one or two things, a lot of the time you spend waiting in line and talking to the cashier, that's going to be totally eliminated. It might take just literally a minute or two instead of five or ten minutes to buy something. Um, Also, obviously, once Amazon doesn't have to pay as many workers in a store, uh, the prices can be a little lower. Well, exactly. That's one of the downsides here, Tim, is that we could see... Uh, jobs disappearing. Uh, how concerned should we be about the automation that this is implying? Well, it depends who you are. Obviously, it's it's good for consumers. It's bad if you are a worker in this particular industry. But I think to a large extent, these stores are opening in areas where the economy is pretty good and there are actually a lot of jobs around. And people who are no longer employed as cashiers can be employed as barbers or as waiters in higher-end restaurants or other. There are a lot of similar job, service sector jobs. So I think the specific case of these stores is not as problematic as cases where you have a factory being automated and a bunch of workers all being laid off at once. 
Every week since the election, we've been talking about Trump and the effect that uh, his policies could have on the economy. And I thought we might get away this week not talking about <laughs> it, but I, I don't think we can because I think this ties into a lot of things that he's trying to do is save American jobs. He's been focusing a lot on manufacturing. Rick, is he missing the point that there could be, though, jobs that are changed or eliminated because of innovation? I think he is missing the point. It's very hard to pinpoint how much of the job loss in various sectors, especially in manufacturing, how much of that during the last, let's say, 20 years, how much of that is due to offshoring and how much is due to automation, how much is due to a combination because they automate factories in China too. It's very hard to pin that down. But I think it's quite likely that well over half of the job loss is due not to offshoring but to automation. This is robots but also software that can do the job of humans, just machines that can do more work that used to be done by humans. And you're really hearing Trump or uh, and his campaign people saying nothing about this. Now, he has a meeting with some uh, Silicon Valley CEOs coming up. I don't know what he wants to talk about with them. He might just ask them, why don't you like me more? Because if, uh, almost uniformly, with one exception, Peter Thiel, Silicon Valley backed uh, Hillary Clinton. So he may just want to say, hey, what's wrong with me, guys? But there is a lot of room for substantive policy discussion there. And the number one question is, look, your industry technology is going gangbusters, but it's only benefiting a small portion of Americans. How do we get more Americans involved in this terrific technology industry? Yeah, I think that's correct. Um, and I, th I think, again, it's the geography of this is really important. Uh, right now, obviously, we have a lot of these great technology co companies all clustered around Silicon Valley. And I think the question is, is there any way to uh, either get some of those companies to move or is there ways to cause other parts of the country to be more effective at attracting some of those jobs. And uh, it's not an easy problem, but it's definitely something Trump is going to want to be talking to people about. There ought to be a way, a way to do that, too, because housing is so expensive in Northern California, you can barely find a place to live for an affordable rent. And you would think there would be plenty of cities that have the right infrastructure, enough trained uh, workers or the ability to attract them to say, hey, come on over here. We just want 5% of what you've got in Silicon Valley. Houses are cheap. You know, we've got colleges nearby. Come on down. I want you to imagine that you're in that meeting with the tech leaders and Donald Trump. Tim, what do you think the conversation is going to be? Well, I think one thing Donald Trump will almost certainly do is encourage uh, some of the tech companies, especially companies like Apple that have manufacturing operations, to bring some of their operations back on shore. Apple does a little bit of uh, Mac manufacturing in Texas, I believe, but I'm sure Donald Trump would like more. Also, there's a lot of reasons Apple wouldn't want to do that, but I assume that's going to be one of the topics. Rick? What's on the minds of uh, Silicon Valley CEOs is immigration. They really dislike what Trump wants to do on immigration. They don't care so much about unskilled immigrants or illegal immigrants. They care a lot about skilled immigrants who get those so-called H-1B visas, do a lot of the engineering work and other technical work uh, that they need. I think Trump is uh, skeptical of those. I think he suspects that those allow tech companies to hire foreign workers much cheaper than they would hire Americans. And I think there's going to be a vigorous discussion of that. Well, Rick Newman is a columnist with Yahoo Finance, and Tim Lee is a senior correspondent at Vox who covers economics and technology. Thank you both. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you. And I'm Charlie Herman, and this is Money Talking from WNYC. Money Talking.